All right, Clanton. You called down the thunder, well now you got it. You see that? It says United States Marshal. What? Please don't kill me, please. Please. Take a good look at him, Mike. Because that's how you're going to end up. The cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash, I killed a man wearing it. So run, you cur. Uh, run! Tell all the other curs the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Welcome to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands. And I'm filling in Fred Hoffman this week. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back next week. I do need to make my normal disclaimer, and that is I am not a professional radio talk show host. No, just an incredible simulation. Actually, the fact of the matter is I'm just a regular person, just like you. But I'm very politically incorrect, and I have a big fat mouth, and I'm not afraid to use it. So stay tuned for the next hour. I've got a great show. But first, before we get down to business, I do need to mention the main sponsor of the show, the founder of the feast, if you will, and that is Summit Funding, your home loan experts. If you're interested in getting involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call Ed at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night. 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with Ed and you don't want to talk on the phone, visit edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo to be connected to Ed's lending page. Put in as much information as you want and you'll hear back from Ed or one of his talented teammates. If there's any part of the show you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net and click on the podcast page and you can listen to it on demand anytime, anywhere. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Be sure to connect with the show on social media as well. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where he tweets about current events all week long. And like the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Well, I got to tell you, um, it's always a privilege to fill in for Ed. And I got to say, this is my favorite show to fill in for Ed simply because number one, I get to be turned loose on the mic, but this is my year in review. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through the top 10 biggest morons of 2019. And I want you to realize this is not an easy task. I mean, obviously we've got a, a smorgasbord of morons worldwide that I can pick from. And, and, and so there's a lot to really narrow this down to is I, I picked out what I think are the dumbest of the dumb and, and again, that's that's not easy because just when I think, like halfway through the year, I'm thinking, okay, I think I got this down. I got my top 10 biggest morons. An even bigger idiot steps forward and bumps his way into the top 10. So this is going to be a great show. I want you to stay with me for the entire hour if you can. But first up, as many of you know, there is an election in 2020. And we're talking about the, the big question, of course, is will Trump be reelected? Uh, another question, though, is will we take back the House? And and that's that. There's going to be races fought all over the all across the country, 
and and big races, small races all over the place. But there's an interesting race that's actually happening in the 28th district. And of course, as we know, if you don't know, that's Adam Shifty Shift's district. Running against him is Eric Early, and I've got Eric on the line with me. Eric, welcome to the main event. Thanks for having me, Scott. Cool. So, first of all, what, what's included in the 28th district for those people who don't know? What, what does that cover? Well, I'll get into that in a second, but I sure. really do hope you're going to include uh, Schiff in your top 10 morons <laughs> when you later. Uh, because I think, he, <laughs> I, I think he definitely fits the bill. Anyhow, my district uh, on the west, it starts in West Hollywood. It goes through uh, large chunks of Hollywood, Hollywood Hills, Los Feliz. Uh, all of uh, Glendale, all of Burbank, uh, La Crescenta, Flint Ridge, a uh, piece of Pasadena, Silver Lake, Echo Park, Sunland, and Tahunga. So there's a lot of uh, lot of land in there. Okay. Well, so the big question is, I mean, look, Adam Schiff is one of the most prominent Democrats out there. I think I was in Barnes & Noble uh, like over the holidays, and I noticed, I, I don't know if it was Newsweek, I don't even remember the magazine, because to me they're all basically the same, but he, there's this guy on the cover of like Newsweek, yeah. uh, and as one of the, you know, the big, uh, I can't use the word bad A on, on the air, but they're trying to make him out to be this almost legendary figure, in large part due to his role in this impeachment process. So my question for you is, what makes you want to run against this guy, and, and ultimately how can you beat him? Well, it's a story, uh, Scott. I live in the district. Uh, you know, I've been uh, like like most, if not all, of your listeners have been uh, watching this character shift. Look at us, certainly looking at me on TV and lying for three straight years to destroy a president that I support, that I think is doing great things for our country. Uh, and uh, through lies, through delusions, through innuendo, I, I, I mean, I'm looking at a guy. This guy Schiff is completely out of his mind, and then he, then he goes to this whistleblower insanity, and I can, I can go through chapter and verse about how wrong that is. And you add that to the fact that his 20 plus years in office, this guy has completely abandoned our district. Uh, we got huge problems here, which he is, he is totally ignored. And so I live in the district. I had run for attorney general uh, against Javier Becerra a couple years ago. It was my first political race. I run a law firm of 35 lawyers, um, and uh, we practice in all the courts around the country. And I managed to get over or almost one million votes against Becerra with an R next to my name as a Republican in my first race. So I spoke to uh, political advisors. I spoke to my family. I've got a great family. I'm very blessed, and I jumped in this race against this guy Schiff. And, you know, you ask how it can be won. There's no doubt it's an uphill battle. But, uh, you know, I'm working on this coalition of voters uh, to try and get them on my side. First of all, a lot of people wouldn't know this, but in L.A. County alone, we have over one million registered Republicans. Many of them have stopped voting because of the dire political situation in the state. A lot of people just don't believe it can be changed around. It can be changed around. I'm talking to all of them, uh, and they are furious at Schiff for the reasons I'm furious at Schiff. Uh, and the independents and the moderate Democrats are – many of them are uh, upset with how this guy has abandoned our district. Homelessness has become an epidemic out here. Uh, medieval diseases are threatening to come back because of that. Schiff has never done anything about it, uh, and, and therefore he's got his fingerprints all over this epidemic. Taxes out of control, crime on the rise, uh, housing affordability issues. Uh, another big issue for me is what I call our, the social justice takeover of our public schools by these crazies who hate America and are indoctrinating our kids. So, uh, you know, I'm taking it to him, and, and he hasn't. 
in uh, in his over 20 years in office had a tough race since his first race over 20 years ago. And so in this day and age, anything's possible. And, uh, you know, I've been endorsed by the California Republican Party, L.A. County Republican Party, all kinds of great individuals and organizations out here. And uh, I'm raising money nationally through a small donor campaign because this fellowship really is despised nationally. So we'll see what happens, Scott. But, but uh, you know, I believe anything's possible. And, uh, you know, and and somebody who can walk, talk, and chew gum at the same time me has to run against this guy. We can't let this guy run unscathed like he has for so many years. Right. Well, and God bless you for running. Obviously, California's got to be one of the toughest states to run as a Republican. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, we had Orange County just got wiped out in the last election cycle. And that's a fairly conservative district. I mean, your district's overall not. I don't know what the actual makeup is, but definitely you, you've got an uphill battle. And, and once again, God bless you for running. You also talked about, again, a lot of the issues that, that face that district. I mean, I drove into L.A. not that long ago, and it's it's a freaking dump. I mean, you've got tents all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's dirty. It seems like there's graffiti all everywhere. Massive, massive challenges that are facing your, your district for sure. Uh, not you, know, you mentioned some of them, the homelessness, the crime, drug addiction, and suicide is on the rise nationwide. Um, so you've got definitely uh, a lot of challenges within your, your backyard. Listen, uh, people are living and dying on the streets here. I read something the other day that I believe was in Los Angeles alone. Several hundred people died on our streets uh, in the past year, uh, homeless folks. Uh, there's, there's serious things that can be done here. First of all, uh, most of these people, not all of them, are clearly severely mentally ill. Just take a walk with me through some of these homeless encampments. You don't need to be a psychiatrist to know that. We need to rebuild our our nation's mental health care system from the ground up. It was basically demolished in the 60s, and there are hundreds of thousands of people in our country who are severely mentally ill who need help. Uh, And then there's other things I'm looking at. In Utah, they basically have a two-pong prong system uh, that's working uh, wonders with their homelessness population uh, and working with the recent rulings by the uh, by the California uh, Supreme Court that said you can't uh, you, you violate civil liberties of taking people off the street and, and unfortunately it wasn't picked up uh, on appeal by the Supreme Court that ruling but Utah's working within the bounds of that law and and figuring out ways to get people off the streets and to get them help and it's working and it's something I want to look too serious about out here and um, you know with with respect to what I call the takeover of our schools you know I'm leading a lawsuit of over 300 great people in Santa Barbara which is not in my district against a public school district up there and against one of these outfits that's teaching these kids that's hired by the school that's teaching these kids the most anti-american racially religiously divisive stuff you ever saw sexually insane stuff you know teaching kids there's something like 52 different genders of people crazy stuff uh and we think we're going to be able to throw that contract out up there uh in this lawsuit i'm getting calls from around the country from people seeing this happening in their schools wondering what can be done uh when i get to congress uh, I want to do whatever I can on this. It's not being talked about enough. First thing I would look into is uh, see how we withhold federal funding from all these public schools that are hiring these outfits. Uh, I believe it's one of the greatest threats to our nation. It's an underlying takeover of our nation by really, really far-left people. So there's a lot I want to do, none of which, by the way, this character shift uh, is having is doing anything about. He is just obsessed with Donald Trump. He's got the worst case of Trump derangement syndrome 
I've ever seen. Uh, and he needs to be sent uh, Schiff into permanent political retirement. And, you know, as much, uh, even though there are people all around the country who despise this fellow, it's our district, only our district is the one that has the ability, has it within our hands to vote this guy out of office. So I'm reaching out to people all over, and I can tell you, a lot of people are, are there's more and more enthusiasm everywhere I speak. There are more and more conservatives everywhere I speak. There are more and more Trump supporters everywhere I speak than you'd ever realize uh, by reading the mainstream media here. So stay tuned, Scott. Awesome. So here's one question before I let you go. Uh, the impeachment process itself, do you think this will help or hurt the president in 2020? Definitely help. Okay. Definitely will help the president. Um, you know, I unfortunately, he's been impeached in the House. It's a joke. Uh, one of the ways Adam Schiff has uh, violated the U.S. Constitution, which he claims to so dearly follow, is that uh, he led an impeachment effort of a president who is not remotely guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors. It's unconstitutional to impeach for anything less than high crimes and misdemeanors. That did not happen here. But um, now they're going, if Nancy Pelosi ever agrees to send it to Senate, whole thing's going to be voted down. Uh, and uh, I firmly believe that this is all helping the president because, you know, most Americans, the vast majority of Americans are fair, uh, decent, honest, hardworking people. And we know BS when we see it. We don't have to be judges or lawyers or anything else. And this is what we're witnessing now. And I believe all the Democrats are doing is ensuring that they're going to hand uh, the victory over to President Trump. And so thank God, because our nation needs uh, Donald Trump to be reelected again in 2020. Yeah, for sure. And and obviously, again, I'm not an attorney like you, but as far as I know, for this impeachment process to actually happen, in other words, for the president to be removed, this has to go to the Senate. And yet it seems like there's maybe they're, they're not even going to send it there because they know where this whole thing's going. And I even have a friend of mine on the left and I ask him, it's like, dude, you, you know, he's not going to be removed from office. You know, you want to bet me lunch that he's going to be removed from office. And of course, he won't he won't answer that question, because ultimately, then what is this thing all about? If, if, the, if they all know the president's not going anywhere, why are they even doing this? Yeah, you know. And just, I want to be clear. I don't have anything against the vast majority of people who uh, who are uh, registered as Democrats. I, my problem is with their elected officials, such as Schiff and Pelosi and all these characters who have completely lost touch with the vast majority of their voters. Uh, what's going on in Washington right now with first the well, not first, but with the among other things, the impeachment with Pelosi failing to send it over to the Senate, which is a joke, which is this squad, this AOC, who is a really a 26-year-old moron, uh, <laughs> Rashida Tlaib, who is one of the great, yeah, Rashida Tlaib, who's one of the great anti-Semites of the country, along with uh, Elon Omar. This, this group of crazies is running the Democrat caucus uh, in, the, in the Congress. And uh, Adam Schiff, my opponent, uh, every time those crazies open their mouths, Schiff goes, runs in the corner and hides. So my problem is not with the people registered as Democrats. Uh, for the most part, I'm not a fan of the far left, of course. But um, but uh, the the majority of Democrats are are moderate. Uh, the you know majority of people in this country are really in the center, and uh, these people that are running the Democrat Party right now are on the fringe. And really, Pelosi, Schiff, and all of those clowns are merely puppets of the AOCs and Talibs and Elon Omars of the world, and it's very dangerous, and we need to just 
remove all of them from office. Well, well, hopefully you are successful. How can people help with your campaign? Well, uh, I could use all the support I could get. You know, uh, one thing you learn when you get into politics is money is the mother's milk of politics because it's what we need to pay for advertising, everything else that's needed to get these our opponents out of office. And I would ask all your your uh, your listeners to go to www.ericearly.com, E-R-I-C. E-A-R-L-Y.com. Uh, you can donate on there. Uh, when they, when uh, people donate on there of any amount, uh, it goes straight to my uh, campaign treasurer. And you can read all about uh, my positions and my background and everything else. So www.ericearly.com. I could use all the support I could get. Awesome. Eric Early, thank you for joining us on the show today and Godspeed. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. So now it's on to the top 10 biggest morons of 2019. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, you may recall this is my annual list. And again, I put a lot of time and thought into it. Hopefully you agree. Uh, we're going to start with more on number 10. And that award goes to Jesse Smollett. Uh, this goes back to the beginning of the year when the Empire actor was charged with filing a false police report, claiming that he was the victim of a hate crime in Chicago on January the 29th. Uh, he claimed he was assaulted by two masked men wearing red MAGA hats and hurling racist and homophobic slurs. The 36-year-old actor also said his attackers poured bleach over him and put a noose around his neck. As we all now know, that claim was 100% bogus. Smollett hired two Nigerian brothers to pose as the attackers. In a hilarious twist, he is now suing those brothers for going along with his plan. Here's Smollett's Good Morning America interview back in February, where he was still sticking to this story. When I landed in Chicago, and Frank Gatson, who's like my uncle, and he's also my creative director, and he picked me up. And then we got back to the apartment. There was no food. And so I went out to Walgreens thinking that they were 24 hours and to have a smoke. <laughs> uh, Walgreens was closed. Um, so I called him up and I said, hey, I'm gonna run to Subway, which was across the street, and I'm gonna get a salad. Do you want anything? I went to the Subway and got the order. During that time, I texted my manager thinking that he was still in Australia because he was on an Australian tour with one of his other clients. Mm -hmm. And I said, yo, call me when you can. He called me immediately. And while he was on the phone, I uh, heard, as I was crossing the intersection, I heard Empire. And I don't answer to Empire. <laughs> my name ain't Empire. Uh, and I didn't answer. I kept walking and then I heard, Empire. So I turned around and I said, the did you just say to me? I mean, I see the uh, attacker uh, masked and he said, this MAGA country punches me right in the face. So I punched his ass back. And then um, we started tussling, you know, it was very icy. And we ended up tussling by the stairs, uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. There was a second person involved who was kicking me in my back. And uh, then it just stopped. Yeah, it just stopped. I don't think this guy actually ever copped on making this whole thing up, right? I mean, he's still out there. I don't think he has much of a career at this point. I think my big question for everybody that's listening is, what if this guy, because it was a stupid story, and I remember the first time I heard about it, I thought, you know, this sounds really, really fake. What, what are you doing out at 3 o'clock in the morning? It's freezing cold in Chicago. Like, Chicago's really MAGA country. Uh, there happened to be two guys waiting for you that knew you're going to subway at three o'clock. The whole story was bogus, but, but what if, what if this had never been revealed that this thing was a fraud? I mean, you could have had 
riots. You could have had people being killed over this. And it didn't seem like there was ever any any repercussions for this. I mean, the bottom line is that that Jussie Jussie Smollett should should be imprisoned over this thing. He should have been fined up the wazoo, not only for filing a false police report, but you imagine the countless hours and time and energy that the Chicago Police Department had to waste in this bogus this bogus investigation. Um, and look to to me. Race relations are strained enough as it is. We don't need people making up fake garbage, whether it's some lady in a subway saying they pulled her hijab off or or that this was probably one of the worst examples of of BS uh, hate crimes, as as they're called. So, Jesse, congratulations. You are the 10th biggest moron in the world. Moron number nine is Katie Hill. Uh, the now former congresswoman was one of my was many many was one of many freshmen who won their seats in the 2018 midterms. But thanks to her own moronic actions, her time in Congress was less than one year. Hill made her constituents in Ventura County proud when it was revealed that she had a sexual relationship with her male campaign finance manager, which, by the way, is a violation of campaign's finance rules. While she and now ex-husband were also having a threesomes. We're having threesomes with a 22-year-old female staffer. The result was a House Ethics Committee investigation in October after the conservative blog Red State published explicit photos they received from Hill's ex-husband. She resigned in shame and blame the Republicans for the entire thing. This is the last speech that I will give from this floor as a member of Congress. I wasn't ready for my time here to come to an end so soon. It's a reality I'm still grappling with, and I will be for a long time to come. I expected, or I at least hoped, to be here for as long as the voters of California's 25th district deemed me worthy of the honor of representing them. I thought I could make a difference here in making our community, our great country, and the world a better place for generations to come. I, like so many of my colleagues, ran for office because I believed that our political system was broken, controlled by the powerful and the wealthy, ignoring and failing the regular people that it's supposed to serve. I came here to give a voice to the unheard in the halls of power. I wanted to show young people, queer people, working people, imperfect people, that they belong here because this is the people's house. I fell short of that. And I'm sorry to every young person who saw themselves and their dreams reflected in me. I'm sorry to those who felt like I gave them hope in one of the darkest times in our nation's history. I'm sorry to my family, my friends, my staff, my colleagues, my mentors, to everyone who has supported and believed in me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like she's sorry. She's really sorry. Look, she'll be, she'll be, we have another clip of Katie, don't we? I am leaving now because of a double standard. I'm leaving because I no longer want to be used as a bargaining chip. I'm leaving because I didn't want to be peddled by papers and blogs and websites used by shameless operatives for the dirtiest gutter politics that I've ever seen and the right-wing media to drive clicks and expand their audience by distributing intimate photos of me taken without my knowledge, let alone my consent, for the sexual entertainment of millions. So the fight goes on to create the change that every woman and girl in this country deserves. Here in the halls of Congress, the fight will go on without me. 
Yeah, uh, she's in complete denial. The fight goes on. She'll be she'll be lucky to get a job at Starbucks after this whole little fiasco is over. And by the way, she goes to great lengths to blame everybody else except herself for this situation. I think what's really sad about listening to clips from this lady is how many dumb people there actually are in Congress. I mean, you know, and unfortunately, political office tends to draw some of the dumbest people. And obviously, this lady's from California, which makes us look even dumber for putting somebody this stupid in office. Uh, but look, the, the good news is we have one less idiot. And by the way, um, I did read somewhere that George Papadopoulos is actually running for the seat. So I hope he's able to pull that off. Uh, there's one less idiot in Congress. That's actually good news going into 2020. Now we have to clear the house out of the rest of them. Stay tuned and I'll come back with my top 10 biggest morons. I'll be right back after news, traffic and weather. And welcome back to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands. I'm filling in for Ed Hoffman this week. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back next week. Once again, I need to make my normal disclaimer. Not a professional radio talk show host. Just an incredible simulation. As a matter of fact, if you want to listen to, and very politically incorrect, by the way, if you want political correctness, please turn the dial to NPR because this is the show that is not subsidized by your federal tax dollars. Where we left off on the last segment, I was taking you through my top 10 biggest morons of 2019. It's kind of my year in review. We get to have some fun and look back on the biggest idiots that have come to prominence throughout the year. I'm counting down. I'm now at moron number eight, and that award goes to Hunter Biden. Uh, we didn't know much about him before, but we all learned that the 49-year-old son of Joe Biden uh, in 2019, when he was handpicked by House Democrats to be part of their last-ditch effort to impeach Donald Trump. So since this all started in September, we've learned that Hunter sat on the board of a Ukrainian energy firm for $83,000 a month. That's pretty damn good money, actually, 83 grand a month, despite having no energy experience. But other aspects of his life are pretty interesting, too, like his discharge from the Navy for driving under the influence of crack cocaine in 2014. Wow. Thanks to, to a recent paternity case, we also know that he lives in a $2.4 million house in the Hollywood Hills. I actually saw a picture of this place. It's, it's actually obscene. Um, he lives there with his wife and four kids while fighting a 28-year-old 28 28-year-old 28 stripper who's suing him for child support. This guy is a first-class train wreck, as evidenced by his ABC News interview in October. No, I don't regret being on the board. What I regret is not taking into account that there would be a Rudy Giuliani um, and, a, um, and a president of the United States that would be listening to this, this ridiculous conspiracy idea, which has, again, been completely debunked by everyone. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though. Uh, no, but I think that I had as much knowledge as anybody else who was on the board, if not more. In the list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice president. Of course, president. yeah. No, I, what I, role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. 
Well, at least he admits it. And look, and this kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, political favors and jobs and positions that are given to sons and daughters of prominent political figures. The thing I keep coming back to as well is why is it that so many of these people in Congress go into these jobs and almost all of them seem to retire multimillionaires. They're able to set up themselves, their children in this case, uh, for high political office. They're getting fair. How, how did Hunter Biden who basically to me sounds like a junior version of Joe. I mean, he's got that same kind of dopey style. How, how did how did this guy come to be a multi-multi-millionaire? And he even admits he has no skills in the energy field, no knowledge in the energy field whatsoever. He also says everybody else on this board doesn't have any skills. But the whole board is probably just comprised uh, of these dopes uh, who have no business being there. And of course, the most fascinating thing that's coming out from all this impeachment stuff is the fact that they're accusing Trump of doing the exact same thing that Joe Biden did, and that is to to uh, threaten, or if you want to, see, yeah, basically threaten. Um, in this case, a Ukrainian prosecutor, uh, the the government of Ukraine, to fire this prosecutor who happened to be looking into all the corruption that was going on with Burisma, the company that employed Hunter Biden. So, congratulations, Hunter Biden. You are more on number eight. More on number seven, that goes to probably my least favorite Democrat candidate. And there's a lot of basically uh, idiots on that that field. But but this one, I think, takes the cake. He, he's long gone. He was one of the first to drop out. That distinction goes to Beto O'Rourke. Uh, Beto O'Rourke couldn't win re-election for his own congressional seat in 2018. But for some reason, that didn't stop him from thinking he could win the Democrat nomination for president. So from March to November of this year, we got to watch him run against people who may not be a match for Trump, but unlike Beto, at least they've managed to stay employed as government officials. But no amount of Spanish speaking, skateboarding stunts, or lamenting about white privilege could keep Robert Francis O'Rourke's campaign alive. This radio interview from July pretty much sums up the substance of Beto's campaign. I have enjoyed white privilege. Absolutely. Undeniable. I have been arrested twice in my life, uh, one for attempted criminal trespass and another uh, more graver offense of driving while intoxicated. Those mistakes didn't end up defining me or narrowing my options in life. And it's not because I'm a great person or I'm a genius or I figured anything out. A lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm a white man. Everybody noticed that, I mean, almost like this whole guy's campaign was built upon self-deprecation. You know, I'm bad because I'm a white guy. I'm bad because I'm male. I'm bad, I'm bad. I mean, it's like that gets old after a while and it doesn't really show much in terms of your character. Um, I mean, look, the, the end end result is this guy was a dope and there really wasn't much substance to this person. The only good news that I think that came about from Beto O'Rourke being part of the Democrat field is I definitely think he was instrumental in pushing the field further to the left. In other words, he was one of the first to come out against confiscating all the guns, right? That was his big thing. We're going to, sure, damn right, we're going to come and take away our your guns. And of course, a lot of the other field, not to be undone, not to be outlefted, uh, came out with their own strong positions uh, against gun control uh, or, or for gun control. So I think that was probably his main contribution. He's definitely uh, pushed the rest of the field so far left that at this point, uh, they're almost unelectable. All right, going on to more on number six. This goes to Greta Thunberg. Uh, she's not technically a moron, but morons are certainly exploiting her. 
Greta Thunberg, the autistic 16-year-old daughter of rich Swedish entertainers, became an international sensation in 2019 because of her climate change speech at the UN. And of course, the worldwide climate strike in September that encouraged kids to skip school for, for a climate change protest. Thanks to her parents and liberal activists pimping her out all year long, she was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Uh, here's more on Greta Thunberg. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. Give it to me now. I want today. I want tomorrow, I want to wear them like braids in my hair, and I don't want to share them. A lot of you didn't realize that Greta Thunberg has an amazing singing voice. Okay, I'll admit, that wasn't Greta Thunberg, that was Veruca from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but it sounded pretty darn good, didn't it? Uh, of course, that was also an amazing accompanied by the UN Orchestra to sing along with Greta. Um, look, to me, Greta's probably not the real moron here, it's, it's her parents, it's her handlers, and it's all the people who are exploiting this young person, who I guess either is autistic or she has Asperger's, which, by the way, would make a terrible name for a fast food chain. Um, but, you know, her history, and by the way, for those who don't know her history, apparently when she was like, was it like 12 years old, she was watching a news broadcast, and there was this whole big thing on climate change and how it's destroying the world. And apparently it, it shocked this little kid so badly. She didn't actually speak for two years. So she was like silent for two years, didn't say anything, and and then started speaking again slowly. But but it's almost like her whole mind is obsessed with this this concept. And and this is part of the problem I have with the left. I mean, they like to invent fake problems like climate change, which by the way used to be called global warming. And as I'm driving here this morning, I see all the snow in the mountains, and I'm reminded about how global warming is impacting my state right here in front of my face here. It's freezing cold. There's there's feet of snow up in the mountains. Uh, but of course, they had to rename it to climate change because global warming just wasn't cutting it anymore. But but if you've noticed, though, the left likes to invent problems that are virtually unsolvable. So like there, there's never going to be a solution to climate change. There's always going to be a need for some government agency, some board of directors uh, that, that's going to get funded millions of dollars to fight this, this issue when, when the U.S. is becoming less and less of, of the problem as opposed to countries like China, countries like India, who are a bigger part of this problem. But nobody's talking about China. Nobody's talking about India. Once again, it's another way of, of self-shaming ourselves that the U.S. is causing this problem. And, and, and it's a shame. I don't like seeing kids exploited, whether it's on the right or the left for political purposes. Uh, but this, uh, and making her person of the year, 
as opposed to you could have picked a thousand other better candidates for Time Magazine's uh, person of the year. But but who the hell reads Time Magazine anyways? What's the circulation of Time Magazine? To me, it's one more unimportant rag uh, that that I see here and there. More on number five. That goes to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she recently dropped a third place in the polls. I don't know what the latest is. She third or second? Uh, whatever. She seems to bounce around between second and third. All the liberal media is wondering why. Maybe it's because voters are still rightfully skeptical of Elizabeth Warren for the lies she told about her heritage. Warren was, Warren was riding high for most of 2019, but just two weeks ago, her campaign stop in New Hampshire bowling alley took a downturn when someone asked her to explain herself again for lying about being Cherokee. By the way, can I get the Elizabeth Warren theme song, please? Cherokee people Cherokee tribe so proud to leave. Yeah. So proud to Play that at every campaign stop, baby. Yeah. So we've had several apologies, by the way, from Elizabeth Warren, but uh, the most recent one came from a bowling alley where she was confronted about uh, her claims of being a Native American Indian. Can I play that clip, please? Even so, I shouldn't have done it. I am not a person of color. I am not a citizen of a tribe. And I have apologized for confusion I've caused on tribal citizenship, tribal sovereignty, and for any harm that I've caused. That's you heard it you heard it directly from Liawatha. Hey Liz, what in the hell made you think you're a Native American Indian? Well, and I quote well, my jampa says that's where my high cheekbones came from. You know, she's standing there wearing that stupid. Your jampa, what are you like, five years old? Your ja- Can you imagine this lady actually giving a State of the Union speech wearing that dumb sweater? Well, my jampa says the economy's doing just swell. Yeah, right, your jampa. Look, does everybody remember, of course, Elizabeth Warren did get a genetic test, right? And it turned out she was like one one thousandth of a percent Native American Indian, which, by the way, is actually less than the average white person. One one thousandth of a percent. You know, I could get that kind of result by eating a turkey sandwich on squaw bread. The whole thing was a bunch of sitting bull. And and by the way, if you end up, if she ends up winning the nomination, which she's still in the top two or three, if she ends up winning the nomination, trust me, if you put that lady on a debate stage, it will be the last of the Mohican. So that brings me to moron number four. This is transgender cyclist Rachel McKinnon. Maybe you've never heard of Rachel McKinnon, but in the cycling world, which of course I'm part of, uh, she's persona non grata for good reason. In October, the transgender cyclist from Canada became the women's world champ after breaking the record for the 200-meter time trial in the age bracket of 34 to 39 category. That's the women's record. And McKinnon was born a man. Soon thereafter, she defended herself in the Sky News interview. What, as you understand it, is their problem with you competing? I'm legally and medically female, but the people who oppose my existence still want to think of me as male. They use the language of that I'm a man. And so there's this stereotype that men are always stronger than women. And so if you That's think of we trans are. women as men, then you think there's an unfair advantage. Sport as a, as a human right 
Just explain what that means for, for you. We care about the Olympics. We care about our favorite soccer, well, like, sorry, football club. Um, we care about the Rugby World Cup. We care about sport. It is central to society. So if you want to say, well, I believe you're a woman for all of society except this massive central part that is sport, then that's not fair. So fairness is the inclusion of trans women. Do you think you'd have been a world champion cyclist if, if you hadn't transitioned? I don't think I am a world champion because I'm a trans woman. Not a freaking chance. I put in the work. And again, we have to remember, I lose most of my races. I've lost against the specific cis women complaining about me being unfair. The men's 100 meter record is 9.58 seconds. The women's is, is 10.49 seconds. There is an undisputable advantage for, for men in sport, isn't there? We talk about men being faster than women. We have to be very careful what we're talking about. So the example you gave was at the in, most... In speed and strength sports, they have a 10, 10%, 12% advantage in most scientific opinions. At the elite level. No, right? at so all when levels. we look at the very best athletes in men and women, you see this roughly 10 to 12% gap. But if we're talking about like the average man. No, but, that's not true. But when we're true. talking about the IOC, we're talking about the elite level, aren't we? Of course. If you look within a single sex event, the difference between first and eighth is very large. And the difference between first and first between sexes is often smaller than the difference between first and eighth within a sex. You know, uh, the thing I'll disagree with, obviously, is, is pretty much everything, but there's a 10% gap whether we're talking beginner level whether we're talking intermediary level or in this case, elite level, there is no comparison to biological males and biological women's in terms of bone structure, in terms of musculature, cardio, it's everything. And, 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 and it's funny too, because the one th interesting thing about the left is you have all these identity groups, you have the trans groups and you have the feminist groups, and you have the gay groups. And th that's the one thing the left likes to do is, is turn us against one another. So it's, it's straight against gay, it's men against women, it's black against white. But eventually a lot of these identity groups come to like bite one another and eat one another alive. So for example, now you have the feminist movement being undone by the trans movement because you have biological males competing against biological females and whether it's cycling, which is my sport or boxing or anything. And, and there's just, there's no comparison. And basically I think what we're looking at is the beginning of the end of women's sports. There's another clip I'd like to play from Rachel McGinnon. Is this bigger than, than sport? Is this about, is it more important that, that trans women feel that they're included than to maintain a category within sport i think you're you're asking me is like trans women inclusion more important than fairness in sport but again my point is that trans inclusion is fairness um, it is unfair to exclude legal and medical women trans women from women's sport or part of society so this is much bigger than sport in that it's it's the proxy for all of trans inclusion in society um, talk of of bathrooms has shifted into sport by people who don't care about sport. So I think it's clear that this issue is bigger than sport. There's actually a great book out now, which you may have heard of. It's called The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. And he goes into a lot of depth and detail about the trans issue. 
one of the conclusions that he comes to is this is an issue that we really don't fully understand. It's it's complex. Uh, I know some people have some customers who are trans and they're nice people. Uh, you know, I don't have a problem with them. And, and my heart goes out to anybody that feels that truly believes they were born in the wrong body. However, once again, we're talking about fairness in sports. And I can give you my personal example when I was competing in cycling of the one and only time where I actually competed against a woman. Uh, it was a bike race in Death Valley. It was one of the toughest courses of any bike race I'd ever done. Uh, and I remember lining up because I was part of the elite field. I was kind of an elite amateur, semi-pro, if you want to call it that. I competed against a professional uh, cyclist. And I remember one year where we're lining up for this race and I noticed there was a woman in our field. And and it wasn't just any woman. Her name was Inga Thompson. She was arguably the top U.S. female athlete in the United States. She actually finished third in the female Tour de France. She was a national champion. She was an Olympian. And I just remember seeing her line up because there just wasn't a category for professional women. It was a fairly small event. So they almost didn't, they didn't have a category for her. So they figured they'd lump her in with the men. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. The bottom line is we creamed her. Like she was so far back. I don't even know where she finished. I don't know if she finished dead last or pretty near, near the back, but it was a, a very, um, a clear example of the difference. And by the way, we weren't even the best. We were elite amateurs, but we weren't pros. We weren't the best in the nation. But the, the ability between the top female athlete in the nation and somebody who was just, just a, an upper level elite like myself, there was no comparison. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this whole thing goes. But I almost feel like we're the morons here for going along with this whole hoax and pretending like this is legit. And, uh, and, and we're going to see, are we going to see trans uh, women uh, dominate in the Olympics? We're going to find out here pretty quick. Moral number three, that goes to LeBron James. And as you thought, he was just a superstar athlete who holds fundraisers for Hillary Clinton. In 2019, we learned LeBron James is also an expert in foreign economic policy. In September, James elevated awareness of Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, tweeting support for pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong, which compelled China to pull NBA sponsorships and cancel their broadcasts of games, sparking an international incident that was more than LeBron bargained for. The NBA had to cancel press conferences to protect their players from being questioned on the matter, and, Le and James ended up looking like someone who was pro-communism and anti-free speech when pressed by reporters. James stood by his comments. So many people could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of negative that goes along with free speech. I have a lot of problems with this, and I was very angry at LeBron James. I wish I was a Lakers uh, fan so I could, like, burn a jersey or something, but I'm not. But the issues that are going on in China right now, we have no idea what's going on over there. I just saw for the first time this past week some images of some of the concentration camps that they have in China. They've got, like, apparently about a million Muslim Uyghurs that are being held in these re-education, I call them concentration camps. The conditions are unimaginable. And for for anybody to come to the defense of China, uh, it shows where his, where his real loyalties lie. It's to the, the big almighty dollar and not to human rights. You look at what's going on with in Hong Kong right now, um, and to me this was just indefensible and got LeBron James a spot in my top 10 biggest morons. Moron number two is Prince Andrew. He's been relieved of his royal duties 
But Prince Andrew can't escape being our number two moron of the year. The third child of Queen Elizabeth is now forever linked to fellow billionaire pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Thanks to Virginia Roberts, the woman whose accusations against Epstein helped lead to his arrest, Roberts says she was forced to have sex with the prince three times when she was 17 and that he was raining sweat when Epstein's girlfriend made her dance with him at a London light nightclub. But all that can't be true, Andrew says, because of his peculiar inability to sweat. She was very specific about that night. Mm. She described dancing with you no. and you profusely sweating <laughs> and that she went on to have bath, there's a, there's possibly... A, there's a slight problem with, 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 with the sweating um, because... Uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition, which is that I don't sweat, um, or I didn't sweat at the time, and that was... Oh, actually, yes. I didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at, uh, and I simply... It, it, was, it, was, it was almost impossible for me to, to, to sweat. You know, there was two times during this past year that I believed I live in a banana republic. Uh, one was when Roger Stone was arrested at gunpoint by FBI agents with CNN filming. The second was this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing where there's definitely people in this country who are above the law. Uh, I hope that Prince Andrew gets locked up in the London Tower over this. It's probably not going to happen. I hope that, that the truth on the Jeffrey Epstein scandal comes out. There's a lot of people that were hurt and a lot of very rich and powerful people uh, who got away with this. So... I do want to move on to my final morning of the year. Can I get a drum roll? By the way, do I have a drum roll? For biggest morning of the year. And that, of course, goes to Joe Biden. Many things the former vice president has said had done over the years would automatically end a Republican career for sure. Groping women, kissing children, and general creepiness and racially tinged remarks. But let's hear this, this clip, which is just completely over the top. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. That turned that 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 turned uh, um, blonde in the sun, and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. What the hell was that? That, that to me was like Alzheimer's meets pedophilia meets racism. You want to know the funniest part of all? This guy's the front runner. Everybody else is so bad. He's the best they've got. Well, I'm just about out of time. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And just remember going into 2020, Happy New Year, by the way. But just remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. I'm out of here. And Ed will be back next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.